Good morning, church. How are you guys doing today? So uh, I'm Pastor Jess, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I am class of 2005 from Hauser High School. Yep. And I'm Mike, I'm also a pastor here, and I am uh, Morristown Junior Senior High School class of 2004. So we were talking about the things that we wish Jesus had never said, and we started talking about the things um, that we grew up hating, and um, we started talking about our schools, and how like my school hated his school, and how our schools hated other schools. I mean, we were conference rivals, I mean, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, so we were conference rivals, and we started looking at our statistics, because we started to compare our schools together, because why not, because it sounds like a lot of fun. So our Jets won the men's basketball state championship in 2006. That's pretty nifty because our Lady Jackets won state in volleyball in 2003, and then the guys turned around, and in 2018, they won state in basketball. Who's Morristown in here? Anybody Morristown? Any Hauser people? Yes, there's Hauser You've people got in Hauser here. I've got people. people. That's fantastic. Last service, she was alone. I was alone last service. <laughs> I felt very, very judged. Um, so, uh, well, you know, you were talking about volleyball, so I looked this up too. So the Lady Jets just won their 10th volleyball sectional championship in this past fall, but, I mean, who's counting, really? I mean, you don't really have to because you just have to be able to count to nine if you live in Hope because <laughs> that's like the road, you know? So. Oh, my gosh. He's showing you. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we also were talking about like the friends that we knew in mm -hmm. school and you were sharing, I had no idea that this was a thing um, here in, in, well, Morristown, but like who you were dating and how there was like levels of yeah. dating here. So the way this worked, and I need to remove this soon because one, this is it's way tighter than it was <laughs> like 18 years ago. And second, this is freaking it's warm. It's very it's warm. really hot. These lights so, up here are hot. But you know, so if a friend was dating a girl from Waldron or Southwestern, it was like, okay, that, that makes sense. That's probably about right. If you found out your friend was dating a girl from Shelbyville or Rushville, it's like, mm, okay, I get that. <laughs> if your friend was dating a girl from Greenfield or New Pal, it was like, mm, you might want to tread a little carefully there, fella. But if he said, well, hey, I'm dating a girl from Triton, it was like, run, Forrest, run! <laughs> it was like, it's like, not cool! You know, and then you know, I, I get married, move out of state for nine years, and then move back and realize, oh, like everyone around here, we're pretty much all the same. Yeah, you know, we're all people, much. and yeah. we all end up going to the same schools. We talked about that with Bruce a little yeah. bit, like yeah. how the middle schools all. Bruce went to Triton, by the way, and he's like one of my favorite people now. So, I know, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so um, one of the things we're going to be talking about today, um, our main piece, the things that we wish that Jesus had never said, was um, we need to love those that hate us um, or love our enemies. Um, so, good morning. Welcome to church. <laughs> We're going to be talking about loving people that um, possibly hate you and how to navigate that. Um, one of the things we had talked about, too, we were talking about things that we hate and love, and I said something about bringing up Augustans or Cholulas, and I was told that that's probably not a wise thing to do because people get really, really heated around here about which one is which and which one's better and who has the better salsa, who has the better chips, and then it would be a mosh pit, and then social distancing. So, like, I just wanted to make sure. So That just escalated know, quickly. It did escalate quickly. But that's what I've been hearing. That people love their Mexican food around here. And then if I were to bring up Cabell's or Dairy Queen, that was a whole other one, too. So, you know, we can hear, you can hear people have opinions. Like, it's very, they have opinions. it's loud. If you're on <laughs> Facebook, there are people in here that have opinions. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, that's what we're going to be talking about today is just... Um, yeah, how this world is kind of broken uh, right now. Like, we, we've known it's broken, but, like, it is so 
overwhelmingly loud how much hate is kind of like that common denominator piece between people and how like hating someone or hating a place or um, hating a thing or whatever that might be is actually like uh, a commonality. It brings unity in a weird way, which isn't okay um, because that isn't what Jesus calls us to do at all. Um, But also that kids pick this up super, super quick. Talk to any middle schooler um, and middle schoolers know how to hate. They can hate. Um, They've got their groups. If you talk to any middle school girl, Oh my goodness, they will, they can tell you. Um, But this is something that you kind of grow up with. Um, You've got kids, I've got kiddos, and it's kind of that whole mentality of like, you know, oh, you hate me, so guess what, I'm going to hate you, and all my friends are getting ready to hate you as well. Um, They're really good at doing that. Kids can do that. We pick up on it. Um, I know for me growing up, I grew up in Indiana, so I grew up being a Colts fan, and I was taught I was not to be a Patriots fan, that I was... Look, yeah. (laughs) Um, I was taught that, like, that wasn't okay. You were not to be a Patriots fan. I didn't know why, um, but I just knew that I wasn't supposed to be. So when I did a fantasy football team and I ended up getting Tom Brady as my quarterback and I won, there was kind of a little bit of deep shame and guilt because I was like, I just won with the quarterback that I'm not supposed to like. It's Um, the Patriot way. (laughs) That was good. Um, And then also growing up, it was um, Earnhardt versus Jeff Gordon, if you're a NASCAR fan. Um, I was an Earnhardt fan through and through. We were not. Don't be shaking your head. What is happening right now? I was a Jeff Gordon family. Of course you were. Of course I was. <laughs> yeah, so I grew up um, Earnhardt, Earnhardt all the way. Um, we were not Jeff Gordon fans at all. So you, you kind of bring up your kids um, to like and dislike certain things, but what we don't realize is we actually do that with some deeper issues like race, culture, all kinds of stuff like that where we actually teach our kids these deep-seated hate things, and we don't even intentionally like mean to do it, um, but it is something that we end up um, having some commonality about. And so um, when we started talking about the things that we wish Jesus had never said, uh, this was a topic that both you and I were like, we need to do some hard work personally because yeah. um, we were recognizing some pieces. So, yeah. Yeah, and when Jesus enters the scene, and specifically this time when he says these words that Jamie read that we're going to dig into, he really does flip the typical norm for the world upside down. He had this way in general, Jesus would take the bar the kind of lowest common denominator bar, and he would stick it up in a place that feels like it's in a different stratosphere than the rest of the world. And he made a habit of this, which is part of the reason why there was this rub of, oh, did he have to say that? And so today as we lean into this, some questions we're kind of asking is, well, how is it that we're supposed to love these people that hate us, first of all? What is that supposed to look like? Another thing is, what is the point? Like, what is behind that? Does he have a deeper, bigger purpose behind that? Because if you're somebody who's like a note taker and you like summing stuff up, the small condensed little ideas that you can actually remember like two hours from now it's that jesus called to love it has no exceptions what everything we're talking about boils down to is jesus called to love has no exceptions and if we walked in here today carrying an exception uh where we we came in and we have that but we have that well that if that condition on loving any one person we're asking jesus to just smash that Help us surrender that so when we walk out these doors, uh, we can truly go and love not just our neighbors but our enemies. And so uh, Jess is going to pray for us, and then we will just dive straight in to the passage. Yeah, that's great. All right, Jesus, um, I just want to pray today as we're bringing this message. Um, One, 
Lord, you know that this has been um, big on both uh, my heart and on Mike's heart, um, where you've been digging and, and working in us. Um, and so I just pray that um, you do the same for those that are here, those that are listening, um, that you continue to challenge us to be more and more like your son, Jesus, um, to help us love people better, help us to see people uh, the way that you do and treat people the way that you would want us to treat them so that that way they can come to a, a life-saving relationship with you. And so, Lord, um, I pray that you would give us wisdom as we speak, give us discernment as we speak, um, give us ears to hear the things that we need to, and that you'd start helping us do the heart change that needs to take place, Lord, that we, um, that we need to do uh, so that way other people can see Jesus through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So we will be diving right in. So if you take your hard copy Bible, phone, laptop, tablet, whatever, if you want to jump on InsideSCC.org, we've got a little tab where you can actually take notes, have them emailed to you later. It's got all the scripture laid out. It's pretty legit. Uh, you can check that out. And I wanted to give you some background as you're turning to that. So Jesus says these words as part of his Sermon on the Mount. And where this takes place is not too far from Jesus' home base. So when you look at this map that we're going to throw up here, uh, there's a town called Capernaum, and it is on the northwest, uh, kind of the northwest corner of the lake. You see that. If you look just a little bit to the southwest, you see a place called um, Tabga. And that is a place where it's very close to where this happened. And we actually have a photo of what the shore looks like. So this is kind of what it's like. It is, you know, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of going up to some small mountains, but I always thought of it as the Sermon on the Slope because people are sprawled out on this slope. Jesus is teaching them, and he's telling them, hey, this is what my kingdom is going to be like. When I say I came to transform lives and transform the world, this is what life in my kingdom is going to look like. I need you to start pursuing this now. Because you remember when he says this, he hasn't even died yet, but he's getting them ready. He's preparing them. And so let's just dive straight into verse 43. Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So apparently, in this world a couple thousand years ago, this was a very common way of thinking. Whether people actually said it out loud or they just thought it and everyone kind of picked up on that, the thought was, okay, you love your neighbor, you hate your enemy. It seems pretty cut and dry. But the reason Jesus pounces on this right here is he's correcting what's really a misinterpretation of the Old Testament because the, most of his listeners sitting on this slope are Jewish. They're Jewish people. So they're following the Old Testament law. That's like the way they plan out their lives. And in that, God never once commands us to hate anyone and not even our enemies. And now the fact that God hates evil, that is a very common theme throughout the Old Testament. And it'll, it kind of makes sense because evil is what damages his creation. It's what hurts our relationship with the world around us, other people, um, with ourselves and even him. And so sometimes what you'll see in the Bible is it means that if somebody embodies evil, if somebody is just totally going against God's plan and his purpose for how human life is supposed to work, what he created them for, it will refer to them as God's enemies. Now that doesn't mean God does not love those people because he still loves them, but it does mean he will let them feel the consequences of living the way that they do, even as they do those things, in the hope that that will point them back to him and that eventually they can be redeemed, they can be forgiven, they can actually become his kids, not just his creation. So that's what's happening here. And so Jesus is kind of immediately setting the stage for the fact we don't have to like our enemies, we don't have to approve of our enemies and how they live, how they speak. It's going to feel really natural to hate them, but hatred of others is never commanded by God. And in fact, Jesus actually says... Yeah, so if you go into 44, it says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. 
Um, so when we read this, we actually need to dive into this a little bit deeper. So, you know, 43, it says, you've heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And then you go into 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Um, when you actually look at this verse, it can be easy to just kind of gloss over that and go, okay, I already know what the definition of love is. I know what the definition of persecute okay. is. Um, but when you actually dive into the deep meaning of these words, Jesus actually has something greater in mind um, with these two words of love and persecute. The word love here actually refers to being generous, warm, costly, self-sacrifice for another's <clears throat> good. Um, it's going out of your way type of love is the way that he's wanting us to actually love your enemy. So he's actually saying, I want you to self-sacrifice for your enemy. I want you to love deeply your enemy. I want you at all cost to love your enemies, um, which, I mean, that's way different than just saying, like, I love a cheeseburger. Like, it's very different. It's got a lot of meaning behind it, and there's actually a lot of action that he wants us to take in that of, of loving people and making it intentional. Uh, the other piece in this is persecute. So the word persecute here actually means to be treated with hostility or ill treatment. Um, and so literally people that have ill-treated you, persecuted you, hurted, hurt you, um, you would consider them an enemy. He wants you to go out of your way uh, to actually love them and show um, Jesus to them in a way that's like very, very anti what our culture is talking about right now. Yeah, and there was this story, as Jess and I were talking about, an illustration of this. There's a lot of companies out there, especially coffee companies in this day and age, that they seek to be fair trade, uh, which means they try to cut out the middleman to make sure that the growers and the people picking the coffee cherries uh, before they're roasted uh, get more of the profits. And there's a lot of organizations that go and do this as a ministry in different countries. It's very cool. And if you ever go to like a conference for ministry leaders, pastors, volunteer teams, a lot of times they will have an in-residence uh, ministry who is providing the coffee for the week and taking donations and they're telling their story about what they do. Uh, and our company that we actually get our coffee from here at SEC Phoenix Roasters is one of these companies. And they a lot of times will show like videos of the people who are there picking the cherries. And they showed this video where they were talking to different people and this happened to be a country where there had been a genocide in somewhat recent history. And they were talking to this woman who, uh, she's a follower of Jesus. She works in this coffee plantation picking the cherries. And uh, she said, yeah, well, my whole family, because of our ethnicity, was, was slaughtered. We were all, they were all killed, except for me. I was the lone survivor. And there's other people in the video. There's a guy sitting next to her. And um, uh, what we learn later is that some of the people working in this plantation uh, were on the other side of things. They were the ones who perpetuated the genocide. They came and they killed people. And some of those men... Uh, and uh, I think it was mostly men, not women, had actually uh, come to know Jesus, and uh, they now worked on the plantation. And so they asked this woman, they circled back to her later in the clip, they said, now, um, uh, uh, I didn't ask you, but you're sitting here with these other people, this guy next to you, what's your connection to him? And she goes, oh, well, he's the guy that killed my family. And it was like, you just, you could hear a pin drop in this auditorium with these thousands of people. It was insane. And they said, he, he killed your family? And she, she said, well, yeah, yeah, he, he did. And they said, why would you forgive him? Why would you be okay working day by day picking? Why would you be okay even sitting here for this interview? She said, well, I, Jesus forgave me. I didn't deserve it. And he says, I need to love him and forgive him. And so I did. And it was just this matter of fact, just 
strong obedience. It, it, it was mm. beautiful. It was a beautiful response to this prejudice that had happened. It, it just, it still sticks with me. I can see the woman's face in the video. And I think that, um, you know, with all the hate and everything that's going on right now, all of us can kind of picture um, situations where we are either in a hate situation or we have been, um, somebody has hated us. And yeah, just how difficult that would be to sit next to somebody that had done something so horrific. Um, there's people in this room that have um, dealt with abuse. There's people in this room we know that have dealt with violence in your home or are currently dealing with it. And so for us to sit here and say and read these things, it's very difficult. You know, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Um, you know, how in the world do we do this? But also why? Um, why does Jesus want us uh, to do this? Well, when we actually look at verses 45 um, through 47, there's a lot of pieces in here. So I'm going to read it. Um, and then we're going to kind of break it down um, because there's a lot of uh, really good um, nuggets on how we can actually implement this, but also um, a really good why uh, behind why, we, why Jesus calls us to do it because it's good for our hearts too. Um, so in 45 it says, So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. So when Jesus throws this out there, um, and he's saying, you know, even tax collectors love their own people. Like, who are you to be any different? Of course, it's easy to love people that you love. So he's saying, I want you to love those that, that hate you, love your enemies. And so it's kind of like he sets this bar of like, okay, there's love. And then you've got this, per, those that persecute you, those that hate you, those that you would consider your enemy. And by him doing that, some of us in this room can probably think of, like I was talking to a few people after first service, they're like, I don't really hate anybody, and I don't think anybody really hates me. But this is the whole point of him saying this. Because he, he, he puts that bar so far out there, he's, it's a call for us to love everybody in between. And this is the part that, that might actually sting a little bit as we're going through this. But Jesus' call is for us to love those that annoy you, people that discourage you people that disappoint you, the coworker that gossips about you, uh, the family member that can never say one nice thing about who you are or your family. It's those people. Ouch. <laughs> that hurts. Um, and that was the thing that like when we were talking about, you know, figuring out which messages we were all going to do, um, Craig talked about this a little bit last week about how there's a heaviness um, behind uh, when you, you know, choose to teach on something like this because there's a challenge in it for both Mike and I and us as a staff and also us as a church. You know, how are we loving people? Are we loving people well? Um, are we loving people the way that Jesus wants us to? Because it's not just the people that, that we hate or those that hate us or persecute us. He, it's a call for us to love everybody in between every single person. And um, I love this quote by Matt Chandler. He says, motivated by love, we are to decide in the moment with our enemies. So like when you're having a confrontation with your enemy, whether to be motivated by love or to be motivated by self-preservation and our own pride. Are we in a moment with our enemies? Are we trying to protect ourselves and preserve ourselves and to, you know, save face? Or are we actually going to go out of our way to love them the way that Jesus calls us to love? Uh, because in the end, hate turns people into those people. You know how you talk about, oh, I hate them. I hate those people. I hate that person. So that's what hate does. It makes a category of people or puts people in a box 
and then we end up treating them differently, treating them differently uh, because of whatever reason we might come up with. Um, but Jesus yeah. clearly tells us to, to do it differently. He does. And did you notice it answered our why question when Jess read that verse? So in 44, it said, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why would you do that? 45. So that you may be sons and daughters of your father who's in heaven. And so when you talk about being a child of God, um, now that we uh, are in this era, you know, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, but if you're a child of God, you're someone you recognize, Jesus is my savior. He came, he defeated death, he overcame the powers of darkness, he's bringing this kingdom, I get to be in it with him, and he is the leader of my life. He calls the shots, not me. Everything in my life gets surrendered to him. And what do kids do? Kids imitate their parents. Mm. Some of y'all have had a moment like me where <laughs> you see your kid do something and you go, I know where that kid got that. It was me. And I immediately feel horrible for my own parents because I know what they had to put up with all those years. Sorry, mom and dad. And <laughs> so what's neat about this though, look at the example he gives, sun and rain. Maybe it's because I grew up on a farm and dad farmed when I was a kid. Sun and rain were crucial. It was the key to everything. It was the key to life. He actually says that sun and rain, something as simple as that in the world, it's how God shows grace and care for all of his creatures, not just his kids, but anyone and anything he's created. It makes life possible uh, for all creation, not just humans. And he's saying, so here's the deal. I need you to imitate me in this. Just like I make the sun and rain for everyone to care for them, I need you to do that by going and loving your neighbors, and that includes your enemies. This is how you do this. And Jess, I know you guys have been challenged just even with dealing with the foster care system and trying to navigate all that. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, um, this is the part that like Jesus has been working hard on me on this message specifically because um, I tend to have a little justice button um, inside of me that when you push that, um, I get very angry very quickly. I get very frustrated. I will fight for you. I will fight on your behalf. Um, and so, you know, I've got these kiddos in my home, you know, in foster care, and I've been watching the foster care system in general, and it's just broken, and it's heartbreaking to see, um, you know, the things that take place uh, where kids end up having to get removed from homes. And, um, you know, there's a lot of really cool restoration that comes in that. There's a part of me that wants to, like, take care of the justice piece in it. I want to step in. I want to fight. I want to I do my part. And I just hear God over and over and over again, like, Jess, I, I'm asking you to be still, and I'm not asking you to fight. I'm asking you to love people. Well, that doesn't sound like fun to me. Like, I want to, like, I want to fix things. I want to go and do stuff. And he's like, that is fixing things by loving people, loving people well. And uh, that can be so difficult to do, especially when you really disagree with somebody and disagree with their decisions. You guys can think of somebody that you're like, man, they are just so hard to love because of the decisions that they make. Um, and I sat in my car recently, and I was just, like, talking to God about this. And I'm like, God, I just, can you just do the justice piece already? Can you, like, take care of business? And, like, let's, you know, whatever it might be. And I just heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, like, Jess, I love them too. I love them too. And that is so hard to grapple with. Um, at the end of the day, even though people that you know that you hate or you struggle with might not know who Jesus is, they're still his kids, and he still loves them too. 
And so by us having that loving relationship with our enemies, it can actually, the, the beautiful part in this is actually it shows grace and it shows um, them who Jesus is through you, who you believe Jesus is, and they see light in that. And it can ultimately like have them have a, a re restored relationship with Jesus. Um, they might actually come to know who Jesus is just by the way that you're treating them. And yeah. so, but it is very difficult for us to, to sit under that. <laughs> Yeah. What I love is too, Jesus, he always went to the hardest stuff. You notice he mentions these two groups of people, one in 46, one in 47. He mentions, what are they? Well, first of all, tax collectors. Mm. And then he mentions Gentiles. So if you're a tax collector, you're probably a Jewish person who worked for the Roman government. You're a representative for them. And you were disliked in general because you were seen as a traitor, but you were probably especially disliked if you were like some tax collectors and you were guilty of extortion. So you find out what they owe the government. You tell people a number that's higher. You pocket the difference. So uh, tax collectors probably didn't like other Jews very much because of how they treated them. They already didn't like the Romans. So tax collectors had to have each other's backs or nobody had their backs. And guess who used to be a tax collector? The guy who was writing this down, Matthew. You know, he started writing down all these stories that had been passed along orally for 30 or 40 years. He writes them down in words. He knows this better than anybody, that tax collectors were hated and, and Gentiles were similar. See, mo again, most of Jesus' audience sitting on this slope they're Jews. They do not like Gentiles. They were not fans of Gentiles. They were not fans of how they lived. They didn't live the way that God called his people to live. They were the ones who lived on the east side of the lake. They were the ones who ate freaking pigs, which <laughs> now is wonderful and glorious and hashtag bacon. But, you know, they looked at them at the time and said, they don't know the one true God, not like the Jews did. But Gentiles, it wouldn't be uncommon for them to have each other's backs. You'd see some camaraderie, you know, it wasn't uncommon, but Jesus says, now you just can't set the bar of, oh, well, I'll live like they do, because you're called to something higher. You're called to something greater. And on top of that, the people that you're appealing to that low bar, you hate them. You're supposed to love them too. So Jesus' call to love, it has no exceptions. In his kingdom that he is bringing to earth, that we will live in, that if you're his kid, you will help him rule, God is our standard for love, for grace, for mercy, we look to him. And if we're really transformed and we really go and do this, what'll happen? Well, that's when we'll know we're really God's kids when we go and we obey this. Yeah, so like when you're actually loving people this way, like I was saying, it brings um, reconciliation, but it can also bring peace where there's strife. Um, how often have we had a misunderstanding with somebody where you thought that they hated you or they didn't like you because you heard some piece of gossip or whatever, and then you actually go and talk to the person? And they're like, oh, I didn't mean that. I didn't say that. I didn't do that, whatever it might be. And so by you actually going and loving them and, like, having a conversation and not getting angry and going and gossiping or, you know, slandering or whatever— um, you actually might bring, bring peace to a, a really nasty situation. Um, maybe you've got some family issues, like there's generational cycles where people just genuinely hate a certain person in a family um, because the rest of the family hates that person. Mm. What if you, as the Jesus follower, are supposed to set something different? Um, and I feel like that might be resonating with somebody in the room. Like maybe it, your call is to, to show that um, in your family by loving that person differently. Um, because you say that you're a follower of Jesus. And so that's a, such a good thing that we can actually do that. There's some harder parts in this, especially as you go into 48. I think um, when we were doing this originally, we were going to stop at 47, and Mike was like, no, we need to, we need to talk about 48 as well. So do you want to go ahead and read 48? Yeah, so Jesus kind of finishes up this little section. He says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
we read perfect, it, it can almost like just sound like, oh, Jesus, you're just trying to frustrate me. You're just trying to rub salt in the wound. <laughs> you're trying to like demotivate me. But Jesus isn't setting up this unattainable goal. Uh, another way you can translate the word perfect, it's used here that might be a little more accurate even, is mature or whole. So Jesus is saying, as you're growing and as you're imitating me as your heavenly father, then uh, love without limits, be obedient, be more like me. The beautiful thing is, like these verses we're reading right here, scripture shows us a picture of God. It gives us a reflection of God, of who he is, what he does, what he's like, what his will is, uh, how he wants us to live. And so as we step into this tough, tough business of trying to obey God and just imitate our father, and we start being transformed, we are pursuing the perfection of God. And it's almost like a little bit of a mic drop moment. Uh, Jesus didn't have a mic and he didn't drop it because he keeps on teaching if you read on in chapter six. But, uh, you know, he's saying, you know, this is doable. This is what you're striving for. This is where the bar sits. This is where I want you to aim. Yeah. Um, and so this is why that we can say that Jesus' call um, has no exceptions to it. Um, it's everybody. Um, and it's not an easy ask for us to do. And so when we actually look at like all of this, so we've read the scripture. Um, we know what Jesus wants us to do. There's a little bit of like, okay, the reality is this is really hard to implement um, because we're people. We get our feelings hurt. Um, we get frustrated. And um, it's very difficult to love people that are different than us. Um, but because of the way we love people, if we love people that are different than us, that actually shows them Jesus. It shows them Jesus in a really cool way. But there is nothing natural about loving your enemies. And so that's why it's so awesome. That's why people can see like, man, you're acting differently towards this person. Why? Well, it's because of Jesus. Um, that's the reason that I'm doing that. Um, so the other piece in this too, so we talked about how, you know, when you love your enemies, there can be a peace around that. It can cause um, strife to go away. It can make things a lot better. But also, if you look in Proverbs 25, 22, it actually talks about when you're kind to people, it's like heaping burning coals on top of their head, right? Um, so there are times that when we love our enemies, you're not going to get a beautiful response back. Um, sometimes it doesn't bring peace, and sometimes it just simply emboldens their anger towards you. It makes it more and more frustrated. It makes them more and more frustrated. And the reason behind that is because you have hit a deep soul issue in them. Um, you have hit something in them that Jesus is working on, or maybe at one point will be working on, because maybe he doesn't, they don't have a relationship with him yet, and they don't even realize it's a problem. But when you actually love that person, it actually makes them more angry. I mean, if you had heaping burning coals topped on top of your head, you would probably act in anger and frustration just Great. a wee bit. Um, and so, you know, they respond in anger and respond in frustration and agitation, and sometimes they will want to attack you more. Now, that's where you've got to set boundaries, and it's okay to love people and have boundaries set. I think that needs to be said, too. Like, you can love people from a distance. You can love people that are toxic and set some boundaries. Um, we've got a lot of, like, Dr. Henry Cloud has a great book called uh, Boundaries. It's a fantastic book. If you want to learn how to set some boundaries with your family um, or friends, it's a really good book. Um, but when you actually are kind to your enemies, it presses into a deep part of them that, that Jesus needs to work on. And so how you get through that piece is you need to really ask yourself a few questions. Um, and one of those is, um, are you having a conversation with them out of self-preservation? Or are you trying to do it out of love? Sometimes we try to get rid of a situation because we want to feel better. Are you doing that? Or are you doing it because you want to love them? 
Because if you're going to wade into it, there is a chance that it's not going to go well, but you've done the right thing and you've been obedient to Jesus and the things that he's called us to do um, because love has no exceptions. And a lot of us stand in this weird, awkward middle spot in our culture right now because especially since February and March, you look at uh, how the pandemic hit us with COVID-19. You look at how uh, racial injustice is this hot topic. And there are times where we feel like we're kind of on this weird island because we look at how some folks like the woke crowd of the world are trying to deal with it and the cancel culture. And we see some of that playbook and we're like, no, that's not God's way. But we look at the way that some other people sit and they just want to sit on the sideline and do nothing. And we're like, well, I can't just do nothing. Being obedient means doing something. And we want to wade in, but we're trying to figure out how. And one of the most awkward, awful cesspools to try to swim in is social media right now. So I don't talk about a lot of stuff on Facebook, but I was challenged by someone a few years ago. I said, I don't really love to talk politics, but I don't have to. And they said, well, hey, uh, politics has at its root that politics are about people. If you got people, you got politics. So you're not always going to be able to avoid the combo. So someone was talking, and I shared a thought. And these people, like, triggered. I can't imagine what hurt they had underneath and what was going on. But just blah, 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 blah. And, and they, they uh, just state in their opinion how I was wrong, the article was wrong. Uh, they kind of went ad hominem, like, almost calling personal names. It's like, what in the world is going on? And the broken part of me was, like, licking my chops. <laughs> I was like, this is why I went to grad school. Because I see eight million logical fallacies in their little argument. I know what the Bible says, and I'm going to tell them what's right. Gosh dang it. And I got ready to respond. And God, via the Holy Spirit, was like, well, first of all, you goofball, that is not why you went to seminary. You went to equip (laughs) God's church uh, to go and be a part of rescuing the world. And secondly, um, you could be right. But right now, um, loving them is going to mean you don't say anything. And you just need to walk away. And I, I just kind of fought that a little bit. What? And he said, just walk away. You'll have a chance another time. But right now, the loving thing is you walk away. And so I went in and I got in the refrigerator. And I got a Dr. Pepper. And it still kind of bothers me. <laughs> but in that moment, that's where I had to ask myself, am I going to imitate my dad? Am I going to show love when I felt like I was receiving hate? And um, mm. it's rough, man. It is rough. It's rough. Um, So here's a couple of things that, you know, we can talk about to kind of, you know, get our heads wrapped around the reality of this and how difficult it is. So um, here's a question that you can ask yourself um, to kind of see where you're at. So who's in between for you? So we talked about that, that bar. Who are the people that are in between for you? The ones that annoy you, frustrate you, discourage you, you know, that list. And everybody in here had names. So names popped in. So that's, you do have homework. So if names didn't pop in, you know. Jesus knows. So um, one of the things you need to do is add them to your prayer life. Write that person's name down. Um, Because in scripture, it specifically says pray for those that persecute you. So are you praying for them? Pray good things for them. Pray um, the Holy Spirit does good things, brings them joy, brings them peace, brings them love. Um, Pray for their salvation. What if they're not saved? They might not be saved. Pray for their salvation. Um, And you'll start seeing a heart change in you um, because you're just doing that even. Um, And then also, um, we had talked about another thing that you can recognize is like when hate masquerades, you know, as unity. Yeah, and that's a question you need to ask. Did I come in here today and in my life hate is masquerading as unity? And this could look like this. Let's say um, I got together with Brandon 
and we're like, we really hate Jess. You know, <laughs> we don't actually, but we would like to say that because we're, we're, we're mean sometimes. <laughs> but then Amen. as soon as I say this, and Brandon and I seem like we have this great unity, then I go across the hallway to Bruce's office, and I'm like, Bruce, you know what really unites the two of us? We really hate Brandon. You know, that, that can happen, and you can feel this unity, but it's based upon hate. You know, you look at World War II and the allies that helped us defeat the Nazis. What did the U.S., uh, Great, the Great Britain, and the Soviets have in common? Well, we all hated the Nazis, but as soon as the Nazis were out of the picture, was there any unity? No, there wasn't. And so I ask, have you fallen into that trap? Is that something you need to repent of today, to repent and confess that, you know what, some of uh, the hatred that I have towards someone, I thought it was something that was uniting me, but it is not uniting me with my brothers and sisters who mm -hmm. I speak truth and love to. It's not uniting me to my dad. I got to leave that behind. So who's in between for you? Is there an area where hate's masquerading as unity? And the final thing is, this is kind of more of a challenge, is are you building relationships and really getting in close proximity with people that you would tend to hate in your broken moments? Mm -hmm. uh, this could be people that look differently than you, be a different ethnicity, someone you disagree with on politics, a coworker you don't get along with, just shared some examples. And it could be having justice conversations because this mission that Jesus has to save the world, he calls it a ministry of reconciliation like bringing people back together, bringing people back to God. But for some of us, we don't have to look even that far to see our enemy. Uh, I felt the Holy Spirit sitting really hard on me that I, I needed to say this, partially because of what I've grappled with for the last 48 hours. And it's that some of you came in today and you have a very deep self-hatred. Mm. You have a deep condemnation of yourself that maybe you learned it from somewhere else, someone else spoke it over you, it started with guilt of something you'd done wrong, and after the guilt just piled up, it became shame of I am something wrong. And some of y'all need to look at how Jesus actually feels about you and realize, you know what? I don't have to be my own worst enemy. I don't have to be my own worst critic. If I'm going to go and love my neighbor as myself, and I'm going to love my enemies as my neighbors, it starts with me loving myself. I don't even have that piece right. And if God loves me, that means I can love me because he's given me this bar. So some of y'all, that's it today. You need to just come and you need to lay that self-hatred, that self-condemnation down at Jesus' feet. You need to walk out of here today without it and see how he'll use that. So Jesus' call to love, it really has no exceptions. It, it has no exceptions. Yeah, so this is what we're going to do with this today as we're, um, you know, starting to land this. So Jesus' words that we read together, you know, it's a call for all of us. It's, it's a call for Mike and I both. Um, that's why I, he was not planning on talking about that because both of us were struggling with that pretty hardcore uh, going into this weekend, just the things that, you know, we believe about ourselves, the labeling, um, you know, all of that as we're going into teaching. And, um, yeah, you can be your own worst enemy. You can really hate yourself. The things that you would say to yourself, you would never say to another human being. We can be so mean and horrible to ourselves. So um, with that, you know, we need to be willing to sit and, you know, chat with Jesus um, about the areas in our hearts where maybe we don't love people very well. And maybe it's a certain person. Maybe it's a certain group of people. Maybe it's someone from your past or maybe it's someone from a current situation. Um, where are you not loving people well today? Because Jesus' call to love has no exceptions. So today, go spend some time in prayer over someone. Go to someone in this room and ask for forgiveness. If there's somebody in this room that you know you've got some bitterness towards, take care of business today during worship time. 
This week, call out gossip when you're with your friends. Look at your circle of people and ask yourself what you believe about people because of the people you're hanging out with. Are the people that you're with, are they encouraging you to love people the way that Jesus would want you to love people? And if not, you need to evaluate that. Volunteer and get involved. There is nothing better than getting in proximity with people that you don't know or you don't understand. Um, you know, churches, we're talking about going into October and the things that we're going to be doing in the community. We do not have any room for us to have a mindset of those people or that group or, you know, that person. Um, we need to start doing the hard work of doing some hard work before we go into October because we are going to be meeting people that are different than us and it's going to be a challenge um, for some of us as these people maybe don't, they don't know who Jesus is and maybe you're the only connection to them. But if you go into it hating them based on something you think about them, it's not going to work and it's not going to be okay. And Jesus is going to challenge you on that. Um, so church, you know, there isn't room for us to do that. Um, so what kind of changes can you make right now, big or small, in this area um, to start doing some of the, the hard work with your heart um, by taking it to Jesus and having those conversations? Yeah. As the band comes up and gets ready to sing a blessing over us and then invite us to sing that over each other, which is really cool. I'm so excited about it, actually. Um, we're going to give God our, our response with our time, our talents, and our treasures. So if you got your tithe and your offering that you want to give back to God just financially to be a part of this mission, um, we've got the four boxes around the room, two at the front, two at the back. Um, if you really say, I want to get involved, like I need to do that, jump on InsideSCC.org and click uh, the tab where you can uh, request how you can serve and figure out how you're gifted in that. Um, you know, if you just need some prayer, there's a tab for that. If you need to talk to a pastor, there's a tab for that. If you put the pieces together and realize, I really want to be God's kid. I really want to follow Jesus. I don't know if I ever actually was, but I think it clicked. I need to talk to someone about that. Click on that tab and let us know because we want to walk with you because mm -hmm. Jesus called to love has no exceptions. You can't do it by yourself. We're going to do this together. So Jesus, as we respond to you, Holy Spirit, will you stir in this place? Would you bring to mind the answers to those questions that we're asking ourselves about who is in between? Uh, would you unearth any hate that is masquerading as unity in us? Would you let us know, like Jess said, the name of somebody that we need to just forgive, that hatred has no place being directed at them anymore? Would you just instill in our hearts and our brains that your call to love has no exceptions because your love for us has no exceptions. Help us love each other well, love our neighbors well, and love our enemies well. And may they come into this fold. May they not stay our enemies because what we're doing. In your name, Jesus, we just sing to you right now.